The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In today's economic climate, it is very hard to know what to do with your money. Every financial move is a choice. Sometimes they are good choices, and you will reap the rewards of success. Sometimes they are bad choices, which can leave you in financial ruin if you make too many. Welcome to The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. Our program will help you to make the good choices and avoid the bad. Now, here is Gordon Bennett. Welcome to The Path to Financial Freedom. This is Gordon Bennett, your host. My very special guest today is a long-term friend of many years. Tom Hawker is a retired commercial banker, a former president of a holding company in California. Tom, over the years, has helped many small to medium-sized businesses get started. And today, with the economic climate it is, I'm seeing a whole lot and talking to a whole lot of my friends who are considering the ultimate security getting into business for themselves. One of the things that everybody I know in business says is the most important thing to them is to have a good relationship with a commercial banker. And Tom, I wonder if you could pitch in and uh, give our listeners some tips and insights as a banker. Uh, What do they need to be looking forward to? How do they work well with their bankers? Well, hello, Gordon. Thanks for inviting me. I'm I'm happy to uh, try to share some information from my experience. Let me start off uh, in responding to that question with comment that uh, it's really important to get to know your banker before you need him. Uh, too often, people uh, ignore the banker, don't make any efforts to get acquainted, don't share any information about what they're doing, and then come across a need and march in and expect that the banker is going to uh, just jump right in and uh, open up the bank's vault and shovel money out. Uh, And drawing down loans, it's important to have trust, and that comes from uh, knowing one another. So I I would just start off with that statement, that it's really important to uh, any any person who's looking to uh, getting a loan for a business, Make sure that uh, they've, they've established a relationship and, uh, and, and opened up a, a line of communication. Well, what's a good way to get? Point, s- hmm? I was going to say, what's a good way to get started doing that? How, how would you just drop in and call on the banker? Absolutely, I would just uh, stop by, introduce myself, tell them uh, uh, briefly about my business, and ask to set up an appointment to come in and discuss with, uh, in greater detail what I'm doing. Uh, and it's also useful to share some financial information. If we're talking about uh, an established business, providing a couple of years uh, tax returns and financial statements as a starting point is an extremely helpful way to 
<clears throat> help the help the banker understand the business and how it operates, and indeed what kind of profitability it has. And this will be a good starting point for a discussion on what might or might not be able to be done by the banker. <clears throat> I would also say that all too often, in my experience, people looked at the bank as a venture capitalist. Uh, that's not the role of a bank. A bank here is there to uh, to help a business that has that's viable and has uh, potential for profitability, but they're not there to speculate. Uh, that's that's a whole different world. So I, I want to make that distinction between a loan and speculation investment. Well, let's let's take the situation that I see from time to time among my friends. Uh, they've lost their job or they've gotten early retirement. The company is downsized. They say, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Gee, I was pretty good. In fact, my wife's cousin is doing this right now. She says, maybe I could be a home chef. I'd love to. I like to cook. That'd be a lot of fun. She doesn't have any business background whatsoever, uh, probably limited financial resources. How can the banker, A, start her in the right direction of gathering things? And is it worthwhile trying to get to know the banker before she's, Put a business plan together. Uh, that's that's very good. Yeah, the the assumption that I made in my earlier comments is that this is an established business. For talking about somebody who is contemplating starting a business, then the first effort ought to be in terms of understanding what line of business they want to go into. And building a business plan that supports the case that this makes sense. Uh, just wandering in and looking for the banker to help somebody figure out what they ought to do with their life is probably a waste of both people's time. Well, you know, I've seen that same kind of thing going on over time. I've been to SBA seminars and things like that, and people have this fantasy that the banker is their financial partner, and you come in there and shake the money tree, and uh, the dollars flow in around you. And the thing I have noticed, and I'm sure you've, you could comment on this as well, um, the banker is an important part of your team, but they're not your initial, you mentioned venture capital, not, they're not your initial investor or money source. So using that as a, as a foundation, how much do you expect somebody else to have in the business before you even think that the banker has a role? Well, there, there's not a, uh, a hard and fast rule, but certainly uh, the expectation is that the, the business owner is going to have more into it than the banker is. And, right. that, can, and that can come in the form of many different forms. Um, obvious, the most obvious one being just out-and-out cash investment. Uh, it can also be done via home equity credit lines. Uh, the, one of the one of the great favorites is uh, family and friends that uh, you know, tap to get the initial seed money to get something up and going to be able to, uh, in fact, prove out that the idea works, that it is viable, and, and that it can indeed be manufactured or distributed or sold at a profit. Uh, all of those are the really the, the starting points. Uh, many people will say, oh, yeah, well, I can, I can just uh, use my credit cards. I'm not a big fan of using credit cards because of the high 
cost that's attached to those, but there are there are many many people that have used their credit cards and maxims of the hilt in getting things started. But I think it's far better to first of all establish what the product is, do a business plan, understand how much money it's going to take to get this up and running, and then add uh, add some some surplus to that because generally speaking. When any of us put together a business plan, there are always going to be unanticipated issues that come up. And generally speaking, it's fair to say they're never going to be positive events. They're going to be things that are going to uh, uh, require some additional investment. They're going to additional purchases, additional time. All of those are going to uh, soak up uh, soak up funds. So, in building the business plan, should always have a reserve in there. Now, you bring up an interesting uh, situation I found out about just recently because I, I kind of keep in touch with what small businesses are doing. And I was visiting with my own accountant, and she had a client who was really, really successful, had been doing very, very well, was now worrying about tax problems and setting up retirement, but didn't have a lot of cushion, uh, was kind of living as we do in our personal lives, sort of from... Uh, accounts receivable to accounts receivable and all of a sudden an event happened halfway around the world that caused him to the business to fail all of his suppliers all of his supplies were coming from the part of japan hit by the tsunami and within Mm. less than less than a month of that tsunami he was notified by his suppliers that they could only give him about 20 percent of his needed raw materials and he couldn't fill his customers orders and his business failed on the spot so as you said bad news comes precipitously and you really need and the banker wants to know that you have these contingent plans in place so your own money has to be on that was an interesting story to hear well a corollary Um, to that is really um, having multiple multiple sources of supplies as well as multiple uh, customers. Too often, I would see over the years someone coming in and saying, hey, I got a purchase order from Walmart or Costco or somebody, and uh, I got to fill that. And the question is, well, what percentage of your business does this represent? Well, this is 100% of my business. Um, Not a very... Not a, not a good place for any business to be entirely dependent on any one source for either sales or for purchases. And uh, building on that, as you know, I've been an uh, advocate uh, of the same thing. I've, I've consulted to the banking industry for a long time, and my clients who were banks uh, liked it when I tried to uh, em- emphasize that they had needed customer loyalty. But I taught banks also, when they called on a business, that it ought to have two banks, because if yeah. we look around the, if we look around, and bankers hated me when I told them that, but when you look around and ask any supplier or any business, if you run a laundry, you need more than one place to get soap, and if we look at what happened in the banking industry in the last five, ten years, a person who was dependent on one bank could also end up with a great surprise when the bank was acquired, or closed, or merged, or their best friend who was. Uh, okay in their loans was transferred somewhere so you need to cover your uh, supply as a banker as well as uh, the laundry soap uh, how do you feel I, about that well I, I think uh, I certainly understand that concept the, the challenge is 
that small businesses have relatively limited resources and to spread them out over multiple, uh, even two different banks means that they have even less that they can use in terms of leveraging um, the attention of the, of the institution. I, I, I fully concur with the sentiment uh, as, uh, as a business gets larger, but I, I think there's a real problem in small businesses trying to split relationships. Probably the best thing that can be done in that regard is perhaps to use a secondary bank for something like credit cards, uh, something like that. So there is a relationship, but it's a minor one relative to uh, their primary banking relationship. Yeah, I, I, certainly, think... I certainly agree that um, backups are, are important, and, and there's no question that um, your, some of your listeners will have horror stories about exactly the things that you mentioned. But uh, what, a, what a borrower uses for leverage with the financial institution is the raw material that banks need. That's called money and deposits. The more deposits that a depositor has, the more leverage they have over the bank. So, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword, and it has to be something thought through fairly carefully. Tom, I agree with you on that. Um, The secondary source, maybe you finance the pickup truck uh, or something else other than your main line of credit with the banker. But on the other hand, uh, going back to the very first thing you said is you need to develop a relationship with a banker before you have a need for it, before the other bank closes down. So it's a balancing act for the business person. I see we're coming up pretty close to a break time here. So after we take a short commercial break, we'll be back and pick up this line of fun. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel or listen on demand to our archived shows. If you are looking for both an inside and insightful look at what you're not seeing in media coverage of today's legal, business, and policy battles, tune in to In the Court of Public Opinion with host Jim Haggerty. What happens in the public arena affects us all. Whether you're following the latest high-profile court case, corporate crisis, or are just interested in government and policy, be sure to tune in every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. The witnesses are ready and the jury seated. So join us for our next session in the Court of Public Opinion. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. 
To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Tom, we're back after the break here. We were talking about how many bankers you should have and using a secondary line of banking. Let me shift gears a little bit here um, and talk about, and a lot of people who are new to commercial banking as opposed to personal finance, they're surprised at the fact that your personal line of credit sometimes has a, like your mortgage has a grace period or that you don't have to pay the full amount um, on your revolving your credit cards. What is the mindset of the commercial banker as far as on-time payments and uh, a little tighter management of the lending process? Talk a little bit about the difference between borrowing money as a consumer and as a business. Well, <clears throat> probably uh, in, in some. Let me let me talk about what what is similar, then we'll talk about what's different. Okay. Uh, for, first of all, the similarities are the expectation that if uh, if I, as a banker, lend you money, the expectation is you're going to pay it back. Second expectation is you're going to pay it back in accordance with the terms uh, and conditions that we've agreed upon up front. And I think that's where the differences then, then start to flow. Uh, in, a, in a consumer loan, <clears throat> there's not a lot of negotiation in the sense that I'm going to finance an automobile. How much of a monthly payment can I handle? That'll dictate probably the length of time. Uh, the interest rate is going to be set pretty much by the bank because that happens to be their new or their used car rate. End of story. Payments are uh, set for a date. There's usually a, uh, a, a period of a few days beyond that to ensure that uh, the the, uh, the borrower gets the payment in on time, and then there's going to be a late charge hit hitting them if it's not in. With a commercial account, there's a considerably more negotiation that goes in. For example, there may be a, a borrowing that says, you know what, I'm going to uh, provide these funds but your first payment won't start for six months because these funds are going to be utilized to buy raw materials, be converted to inventory. That will then be sold, and the cash won't be in uh, for six months. So we're not going to set a payment up because you're not going to obviously have the income. And the banker and the borrower both understand that. So there are going to be terms that will be set up. There will be pricing negotiations my comments earlier about deposits, deposits are the lifeblood of a, of a financial institution. And the more you have in the way of interest, low interest or non-interest bearing accounts, the, uh, the better the rate you can negotiate. Now, I recognize that today virtually everything is no interest, but uh, that hasn't always been and won't always be the case. So that's on the de- can- that's on the deposit side. That's on the deposit side. Yeah, the people put money in aren't getting much interest, but there's not always been the time you've had to pay for the money that you were lending. Is what you're saying? Exactly. But the, what where a bank makes its money is the spread between what it pays on the deposit and what it charges on the loan. So the more there are in terms of low cost, no cost deposits. 
then the more negotiating room there is for the bank and the borrower to uh, come to an agreement on something that might be less than just the street rate. So those are probably the major differences between the two types of lending. Uh, consumer loans are pretty much cookie cutter. There, there are set guidelines. You do this, we do that. On the commercial side, there's more flexibility because loans have to be built around the particular need of the borrower. And different, uh, different industries, different types of businesses uh, have different uh, have different business plans. They work on different turnover of inventories and funds. And so there's a considerable more of, uh, of discussion, negotiation, and certainly all of the, the various um, discussions regarding security and collateral, uh, which well, I, probably is a whole other discussion. Well, what I hear you saying here, and I think what the listeners need to understand if they're thinking about getting into having a business, is the commercial banker – uh, is like actually renting out his depositors' money. It's not his money, which is one of the reasons the rules and regulations of commercial banking are such. It's not the banker's money. The rules of the bank are to protect the depositor first and foremost. And then the second thing is the cash flow of the business. When do they need money? When do they, as you pointed out, they need to buy inventory to manufacture something. Using a simple example, if you're going to open a Christmas tree lot and have to buy your Christmas trees in July, you need to borrow money to get your Christmas trees. Maybe you have to pay 50% down and 50% in November when the trees are shipped. But the banker expects to get paid back as soon as the Christmas trees are sold, not next July. And I think a lot of people don't understand that that is how the commercial credit mindset has to work. Oh, absolutely. There, you know, there's two principles. There is <clears throat> the return on the loan, i.e. the interest rate, and there is the return of the funds that were lent out. And both of those are extremely important to the bank. As I said earlier, banks are not venture capitalists. They're not taking a piece of, uh, of equity in this. They're merely renting the money, using your term, renting the money to someone who feels that if they pay X for the money, they can turn that around and charge Y for their product, and they can pick up a spread between the two. And a, lot of, <clears throat> mm-hmm. a lot of times I have heard from uh, uh, prospective borrowers, uh, one of the questions is, why does the banker want collateral? Uh, you know, we're, he's making me a loan and I'm going to pay him back. What does the role of collateral pay in the lending decision? And I'd like to hear your take on it because I have my own, which I'll add afterwards. Okay. Well, <laughs> collateral has, um, has several different uses. First of all, uh, it can be used to provide uh, additional support if um, – for example, in a new business, may very well uh, take some type of collateral, whether it be stock, seconds on a home, etc. Because although the the borrower has a good plan, has good financial strength, they may not yet have actually run the business. So the banker says, you know what? I want some collateral to make sure 
that this is going to work. Collateral also is extremely important in keeping the borrower focused and their attention on what they're doing. Now, the banker is not looking to take over anybody's property, their house, their automobile, or their stock. That's not what banks are there for, but they are there to ensure that that loan gets paid back so that their shareholders are uh, appropriately compensated. So collateral collateral can help uh, strengthen as well as keep the uh, keep the focus on uh, on the repayment. Uh, collateral can also come in the form of uh, additional guarantees. Uh, it may very well be that um, I come into a bank to get a loan. My own particular financial situation may not be very strong, but I've got Gordon here who's my good friend and a good customer of the, of the bank, and he's willing to co-sign guarantee my loan. That's an additional form of support that is a little different than the uh, the tangible physical assets. Yeah, but they I, all I, work I, from a banker's perspective. Well, I... The answer I've always given, and people don't like to hear it, I say, the banker doesn't want your uh, antique automobile or your racehorse or your speedboat or anything else that you want to hawk. Uh, What the banker wants you to do is want it so badly that you'll pay the banker instead of letting him take it, which is what you said. You you want them, it's sort of to keep them in town. (laughs) Uh, Things get going tough in a business, and they always do. Everybody I know who's been in business uh, ends up with a great surprise and say, I didn't know this is what it was going to be all about. It's a lot more work. So the collateral keeps them focused, as you put. Um, and the newer the business and the less the other experience, the more likely they're going to want that collateral. Let me ask another question. Uh, in addition to financial savvy and a little bit of money to help support the loan, what other skills as a banker do you look at when, when you start – Well. Back to collateral again. One of the things I used to hear people say is, you can pledge your grandmother's house, but who's going to throw her out when we take it back? <laughs> and, you know, it puts things in perspective. The banker actually can't have access to what you think is good collateral. So it's access to that collateral that matters. But what are some of the other things yeah, you look for? You know, just just on, on that note, Gordon, I, I do recall a case where we, uh, my, my former employer, uh, we actually did something like that. Son got the parents' house. Business went belly up. We left them in the house until they passed away some 12 years later, and the bank finally <laughs> then was able to sell and collect collect the loan. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Those things can't happen, and they're not the way they're, that's not the way they're designed. Yeah, it's so the, the banker is rational sometimes, but they don't always do a good job of explaining it to somebody who thinks they need the money to start their business. But in addition to the financial skills, uh, there's a lot of businesses that are simply very uh, dicey, as I would say, very tough to survive in. I think of restaurants right off the top of my head. If you've never run a restaurant before and want to start a restaurant, I would be wanting to know what experience you'd had successfully running a restaurant before. What are some of the other things besides business experience that you look at beyond just the financial support? Well, uh, financial acumen, uh, accounting, understanding basic accounting and financial is extremely important. Uh, one of the reasons that a business plan is almost universally 
expected in uh, starting up a business is that not only you want to understand that the thing might be uh, uh, financially sound, but you also want to understand just how well the prospective uh, customer understands the business themselves and how well are they able to articulate uh, what the business how, how the business will do financially, but have they done, in fact, a, a good market survey? Do they know what the needs are in a particular targeted uh, market for this particular product? Have they tried samples? Have they got uh, comparisons? Who are the competitors? Uh, all of this understanding is extremely important to uh, to the banker as they evaluate a prospect just how how broad do they have an understanding of what they're getting into? Uh, your comment about restaurants is, is uh, spot on. Uh, unfortunately, most banks won't even touch startup restaurants because the track record is so poor. Too many people have grandma's recipe box and think that uh, this is the path to financial success. And unfortunately, there are a lot of factors that go into making a successful restaurant beyond just having a handful of, of great recipes. One of the other questions I frequently encounter and hear people talk about, how important is it if, of depth of management? And what I'm thinking about, there are a lot of mm-hmm. uh, particularly startups in a high-tech area that are totally dependent on the skills or knowledge of a single person. How can the banker protect themselves against that person uh, suddenly having a heart attack or uh, an accident or getting mm-hmm. disinterested, even from a financial standpoint. How risky is it to be in business as a banker with someone who's a one-man band? Yeah, well, that, that gets us back to collateral. It, uh, something else that is done in, in situations like that is key person insurance. Uh, and just so your listeners understand what that is, taking out a um, <clears throat> term life policy on a key person that uh, may be the source of a patent or a particular design or a product so that if something happens to them that the, uh, the, you know, the business will be able to pay off the loans and uh, either liquidate or find something else to do. Uh, those... Those are two ways that a bank will look to mitigate the problem, but it is a it's another hurdle that if coming in to apply for a loan, it is as you say a, a kind of a a one one man band. Tom, I think we're getting ready to take a little breather here, and we'll be All back right. in a few minutes to pick up the thing. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. 
Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Tom, we're back after the break. Um, Having an interesting discussion about getting started in a new business um, obviously, it's not something you can just walk out the door and open the door uh, and be in business. Another thought that crosses my mind, and I'd like your take on this, two things. Uh, what does the regulatory environment have to do with the bank's willingness to be involved with a business? And I think, for example, if someone buying a building that's been used as a dry cleaner or a gas station, what are some of the issues a banker has to face up that may keep them from making a loan for a good business plan, but because there's some of their outside risk that they can't deal with? Yeah, you, boy, you, you're you're hitting right on it. Um, you know, there there are several issues. Uh, one would be a single purpose facility, and by that I mean it is a building that can only be readily utilized for a specific business. You mentioned a gas station. Yeah, we've all seen gas stations converted to beauty parlors, uh, pizza parlors, etc. But basically, a gas station is one of those that's a sing- pretty much a single-purpose building. Similarly, um, any any kind of a uh, manufacturing facility where there are unique aspects to the manufacturing process that require the building to have uh, some very specialized kinds of construction that would not be easily convertible into, let's say, office space or something else. Uh, that's something that a, uh, a lender is going to look at very carefully and try to determine what the prospects are if they have to ultimately take over the facility. How are they going to, uh, are they going to get rid of it? Another okay. aspect that you talk about, uh, your question had to do with regulatory side of things. Uh, one of the big issues that has been uh, out for the last decade and, and then some has been uh, uh, pollution, uh, uh, groundwater pollution, soil pollution, as well as air pollution. <clears throat> um, I've certainly in my career seen properties that uh, ended up having to be uh, resolved through the Superfund. And when they come in to... Uh, to clean the ground, your business is basically put out. So 
Well, well, anything that you know, let's say laundry, uh, laundries and cleaners that use uh, certain types of uh, cleaners. Any of that has to be, things have to be built in a way to contain. Uh, because that seepage getting into the ground can contaminate the ground and cause all kinds of additional issues. Um, well, uh-huh. One of the things I'm seeing, of course, uh, and you talk to people, it's not just the environmental kind of risk, but it's the uncertainty of what new regulations are going to do. We're talking about uh, nutritional labels on various uh, items. We're talking about complying with health departments, uh, the whole concept of legality and intellectual property. So what I suggest to the listeners, if you're thinking about getting in business, you might as well plan in advance to spend a fair amount of time and money researching all of the legal implications of what you propose to do. And there are some that you will be quite surprised at how far they reach. I was up in Alaska on vacation and went day fishing with the gentleman who had a commercial license. And I asked him uh, if he had fun doing that. He was retired. And he said, it used to be fun. I now report to 13 different regulatory agents. I have to tell them what kind of bait I used, what kind of fish I brought, how old my passengers were, how long we were out, how much gas we used. 13 separate agencies. He said, I'd rather play golf. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that, that, you know, those are issues. Those are very real issues. You know, after, uh, after 9-11... And the Patriot Act, all of a sudden, there are all kinds of issues about uh, how understanding, knowing your customer, the movement of funds, and how much money can you move without uh, triggering alarms. Uh, so many new things that keep popping up that as a customer, all of a sudden, the banker is saying, wait a minute. I've got to have all this stuff, and I've got to have this, and I've got to have that. And the customer says, well, what the heck? I've never done this before. I don't need to do that. I'll go someplace else. Well, you know, most likely they're going to get hit the same way. The other thing that regulators can, uh, can interject into a dialogue has to do with banking, banking regulators in terms of their review of a bank and how their underwriting is going on. There may be issues... Uh, between the regulators and the bank that caused the bank to uh, to change the the terms and conditions by which uh, they've been operating. And those things can be just out of right field. Customer has no reason to know or understand, but all of a sudden they get a phone call from the banker that says, you know what, um, I need some additional collateral. The collateral we took uh, five years ago, which was uh, fine. We had a 50% margin. Now you're underwater, and I need additional collateral. You know, bam. Well, the other, what do I do? The other is- How do I respond to that? Yeah, and the other issue, unbeknownst to, to the borrower at times, and I've seen this happen, is there will become a concentration. A, a, a banker will become a specialist in a certain kind of business. And suddenly the regulators say, you've got too many motels or too many restaurants or too many cattle herds, and they'll want you to take the concentration out of your portfolio. So being a, uh, a businessman, you're not completely just dependent on the banker, and that's why you may need to shop for a banker. Um, just let me summarize a little bit about what we've covered here. The name of this program is The Path to Financial Freedom. And a lot of people think the path to financial freedom includes becoming their own boss. There's a whole lot of people who like not becoming their own boss because they find out it's a whole lot more, more work than they had really bargained on. So if you're thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, running your own business, and that that's the ultimate financial freedom, you may be right. 
but it isn't easy. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of details and uh, requires a lot of homework. And God bless you if you go that direction. I've been a business owner and it was wonderful, but it's not a simple thing to do. What I'd like to do is shift here for a minute on to the personal side of finance that you've seen as a banker. Um, people today are really troubled. I, I run a class uh, on this financial freedom and people who've got good stable jobs for the first time in their life are nervous and anxious about where the future is going to take them. And so I'd like to get a couple of your insights. If you were giving advice to your kids or your grandkids or somebody asking you, what are some of the strategies you should be pursuing as an individual to take a, a good care of yourself? What are some of the tips that you would start? And you know, we can carry that. We're going to have another break come up here in about five minutes, and we'll just carry that over to the last section. So give me your thoughts okay. on how, how you'd counsel somebody. Well, I think the first uh, place I start is talking about a family budget. I, I don't think anyone can realistically expect to have any kind of control over their finances if they don't understand where their money goes at versus how much money comes in. So starting with a, a budget is, uh, is for me, the, uh, the, the place where, where it all begins. And then, then I think it's important to recognize the, the value in establishing a regular savings program. Too often, people that I have seen over the years don't understand that uh, saving some money for a rainy day uh, has some real value, but unfortunately, they seem to think that they live in a desert and there'll never be a rainy day. Uh, we, we know from experience that doesn't happen. Uh, there, there, there will be those needs. You know, here, here in America, we've got We've got the, the worst savings rate in the world. I, I was reading some statistics the other day. Japan, 25% of, uh, of salary goes into savings. In Europe, it's around 18%. And uh, our most recent number here in the United States, it's a minus one. Uh, there's just a heavy reliance on credit. And that may sound funny coming from a banker that you shouldn't be relying so heavily on credit, but... And ultimately, for an individual to be financially sound and successful, they've got to live within their means. And so that leads me to uh, the want versus need. Now, so many people uh, get caught by advertising, which is designed to do this. It gets people's attention, and they think they just absolutely got to have something. And my question when someone would come in for financing is, is this something you really need, or is this something you just would like to have? Uh, and that's what, you know, going back to the budget concept, if you've got room in your budget to take something else on, that's great. If you've saved up money and you want to purchase from your, from your rainy day fund, that's great. But to keep piling debt on uh, is, in my opinion, the fastest way that my, my customers have gotten into trouble. It's just right, not understanding. Let's take a break here, and uh, we'll be back and wrap this uh, very stimulating session up, and we'll talk a little bit about, more about uh, taking care of yourself in the future. So now we're going to break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. 
Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to Our Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Okay, Tom, we're back. Uh, We've been talking about business uh, financing, going into business for yourself. Then we've talked a little bit about uh, the issues of personal finance. Uh, I, I guess I didn't mention to our listeners, I wrote a book called Give Yourself a Raise, How to Have More Money, Less Stress, and Financial Freedom. Uh, in there, we cover some basics. Uh, and it's interesting that every expert that I talk to, and there's a lot of them out there, there's bookshelves full of books, they all say about the same thing. And it starts out with, you got to have a budget. You got to know where your money goes. And that's true both in business and in personal. So let's pick up where you were uh, talking about uh, budget and debt. Talk a little bit more about being in debt or not being in debt. <laughs> well, that's, that's, uh, that's a good place, isn't it? Because unfortunately, in, in the U.S., up until the, the, the recession that started a few years ago, Americans have been piling on debt on top of debt on top of debt. Uh, and what I think has probably been healthy in the last four or five years has been a systematic reduction in debt as people have tried to uh, get loans paid off and to uh, de-stress themselves from some of the uh, burdens of uh, overwhelming debt. And I, I think debt is one of those things that is um, kind of insidious. It sneaks up on a lot of folks because they haven't budgeted, they don't have a good handle on, uh, on, on their income and outgo, and don't realize until it's too late just how far they've gone into credit cards, seconds on houses, uh, various and sundry uh, time, play, time loans. Uh, probably, now, I know, I know the banker makes a living on debt, and, you know, it's an interesting thing for me uh, to be a banker and then tell people they shouldn't borrow money because that means the bankers will starve to death. But apparently that's not going to be a problem. 
because most people have trouble getting out of debt. But what people sometimes don't understand is debt simply increases the cost of what you're buying. It, incre- it takes away your financial freedom. And I'm reminded of a, a circumstance here. Uh, I, I bought a rug for my wife's office. And the vendor said, hey, you can pay same as cash six months, no interest. Now, of course, if you don't pay it, the interest is retroactive. So when the bill came in for the rug, there was an option to either pay the whole bill or pay a minimum amount. Now, remember, this is for a rug. When I looked at the bill, and one of the things I like about the the new statements from credit card is they tell you how long it will take to pay it off if you are only paying the minimum. It turned out that if we paid only the minimum for this rug, it would be paid off in full in 33 years. (laughs) I'd be dead and the rug would be worn out. But the, the, the vendor didn't care because they were not making money selling rugs. They were making money lending me money. <laughs> and exactly. so debt is, is something that I have a lot of trouble. I think a debt-free life is the freest life because if things go bad in your life and you don't have any bills to pay, you can live on a whole lot less. Any other well, comments? on? Yeah, I, I, I agree to a point. I think, I think there is a role for debt. Unfortunately, not many people, a lot of people uh, don't always understand and control it. You know, buying a home is one of those good examples. But you know what? In today's world, nobody should have a 30-year mortgage. I, people, okay. can, people can pay off in 15 and 10 years when, you're, when the interest rate is 3.5%. There's no point in dragging it out for 30 years. You know, that, that better than doubles the cost of owning a home. Uh, so, you know, debt, if it's used intelligently, can be beneficial. I think the problem that you deal with in your book and that most, uh, most people deal with in with their problems is, is making intelligent choices and decisions about how to use debt. I, and I, the th- comments I've always made is, in today's world, I worked my way through college with part-time jobs. That was a long time ago. A person can't do it today. So student loans are probably inevitable. Most people starting out in life can't afford an automobile. They don't need a Mercedes or a BMW, but they still probably have to finance it in the same with a house. But as you get farther along in life, I think you have to work toward being out of debt because it gives you more choices in your life. Um, I wish they Absolutely. I wish they. I wish they called them charge cards instead of credit cards because credit intimates that you're going to be able to string it out over time. Charge card intimates or in, suggests that you're going to pay it every month. Um, some of the experts in, in this field who are educators doing what I'm doing say you ought to cut up your credit cards. Well, that doesn't address the problem. I understand if I'm an alcoholic, I ought to keep the vodka out of the house. I mean, just take it away. If I can't control my impulse spending because I've got plastic in my pocket, maybe getting rid of it makes sense. But that's not really the problem any more than the reason I'm fat is that I've got dishes in the house. The dishes didn't make me fat, and breaking the dishes isn't going to make me skinny. And if I'm charging too much, cutting up the credit cards doesn't address the problem. So I think the budget helps. Let me suggest another thing, and let me get your reaction to it. I tell a lot of people, 
people, and this is for couples particularly, people don't fight about money. They fight about values and how they use the money. So one of the things I recommend that people not only have a budget, but have written goals of things they want to acquire and when, experiences they want to have and when, and wealth they want to accumulate. And if they couple or, or significant others agree on the target goals over the next year, two years, five years, 30 years, they can then focus and control impulse spending by saying, that's not on our list. Let's not do it until we change the list. How do you feel about that kind of an approach for helping personal money management? Well, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, basically, it is budgeting. It's, it's establishing your goals. You're establishing time frames. Uh, and you're trying to match up uh, your, your available resources with what you want to do. Uh, planning, whether it is individual or whether it's for business, is a part of life that, unfortunately, I don't think that our school systems really focus a great deal on. I think far too often uh, the planning and budgeting process only comes out uh, about as a result of somebody getting into financial problems and then seeking some assistance and figuring out how did I get here and how do I get out of it. Uh, and... Uh, I, I would just uh, suggest that perhaps uh, more a better education starting at the high school level and into college would help people understand that all those things we've been talking about are absolutely critical to ensuring that you have control over your life and that the money doesn't end up controlling you. Tom, we've kind of run out of time here. I'll take a few minutes here to wrap up our thoughts. Uh, I've enjoyed having you uh, with me today. Uh, as I think our listeners can see, finance is a complicated thing. You've got to invest in yourself. You've got to learn. You've got to study. Uh, and money will t not take care of you unless you take care of it. You, you've got to plan. You've got to uh, manage it. Uh, if you want a copy of my book, you can find it on my website, which is PTFF. That's www.ptff.net. That's pathtofinancialfreedom.net. Uh, the book is... Uh, Give yourself a raise, how to have more money, less stress, and financial freedom. Um, the other part is there's an assessment test that you can take in there. Download the test, see how risky your financial freedom is. And this broadcast will be posted to the website as well as other references. It's been good having you here today. Tom, thanks for joining us. I'm sure our listeners got a whole lot from you. Well, thank you very much for inviting me today. Okay, that's it. Good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Path to Financial Freedom. Please join your host, Gordon Bennett, again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, are you going to make a bad choice or a great choice with your money? Come back next week for more. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.